Welcome to Charlie's Toolbox, the only podcast that teaches you how to be the main character in your life. Here, you can find all the tools and skills you need to decenter men, center yourself, and feel good about your life. Here's your host, researcher, observer, and marketer, Charlie Taylor. All right, so... Welcome to Charlie's Toolbox. Today we have a new series called Women Centering Themselves. This series highlights women worldwide working diligently to seek what they want out of life and carve out their own paths. I chose women from various backgrounds, age groups, and fields to show you models of women choosing themselves. Today we have the brilliant Amina Owais, our favorite Somali tech who encourages women to pursue a career in tech by creating accessible online content that promotes transparency and eliminates gatekeeping. Welcome, Amina. Hi, welcome. Well, welcome <laughs> to me and also thank you for inviting <laughs> me to your space. <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. So first I wanna say, I mentioned this before we started talking, I've been researching your background and you are very impressive. You are super impressive. You've built and developed um, developed with Amina, which has amassed over 60K views on YouTube. You received the Rising Star Award at the 2021 Develop Heart Awards, and you were shortlisted as one of ComputerWeekly.com's top 100K influence, 100 UK influential women in tech. So I want to ask the big, big question, how does it feel to be you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, it's so interesting because like as you're listing these things out, it was almost like a a jolt, a reminder. Um I think I think being me is very much adventurous really, because mm-hmm. I feel like I've just got a motor and I'm just going, going, going. Um I tend to just I just love exploring potential opportunities or just potential ways something could work out. I'm very much like, oh, what would happen if I actually did this? Or what would happen if I tried Mm -hmm. that? Um, I think I've just had that since I was a kid. Um, I was just known for just, oh, there's Amina in her own little world while everyone else had their own like friendship groups with their own set group identity. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just always the social butterfly that just weaved in between different types of people, walks of life. Um, and I think that's just always something that's just filtered through to what I do in my own time and just my career generally. I've had quite um, I've had quite a colorful career mm-hmm. <laughs> for a 24 year old. <laughs> you have, you have. I was researching, researching your background for this interview and I just thought, wow, like I appreciate curious women and it seems mm-hmm. like anything that really sparked the interest, you just decided to try it. <laughs> and, I, and I'm the same way. And I really love uh, women like that. And I am curious, what was the decision or the driving factor that made you decide to switch from being a software engineer to someone who fights for web accessibility? Um. I think, so I have to take a few steps back even before I switched to tech. Because I think okay. a lot of people know more of my tech stuff. But before I was in the tech industry, I was actually mm-hmm. in the film industry. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was doing quite a, a bit of, I wasn't on camera or anything, but um, it was more like script editing, 
mm-hmm. uh, marketing, the PR side of things as well. I dabbled a bit in PR, which um, was quite an interesting experience. But um, I essentially, after um, school, um, I knew that I did, I just didn't know what I wanted to do by the mm-hmm. time I got to the stage of I'm 18 now, do I go to university? Do I not? Got my grades, I'm like, okay, fantastic, I've got options. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know. And my gut feeling was just telling me, like, just wait up a bit, explore first. Uh, and so I ventured out into the creative side um, mm-hmm. and thought, if that works out, great. Let me see what I can get out of that. If not, I'll pivot accordingly. And I didn't really have, like, a long-term vision, long-term planning. I, I don't know. I just – it's very hard for me to do that most of the time, especially when I'm just trying to find my feet. So I started out in that world. And it's interesting how I've ended up in accessibility because – before I even learned to code, before I even thought about anything tech, it wasn't something that I was exposed to me much growing up anyway, mm-hmm. besides mm-hmm. MySpace. And I sort of caught the tail end of that before it dwindled out anyway. Um, even in the film industry, um, when I think back, it's like I've worked on um, films and TV shows where um, I work. I was working with uh, disabled people, whether they were on mm-hmm. set or or behind the scenes uh, I worked on short films that was literally centering a Paralympic athlete so without even realizing it um, I was already kind of involved in some type of community engagement with the disabled community and then Mm -hmm. thinking about accessibility but just from a creative perspective so by the time I learned how to code for a boot camp and there was an official module for web accessibility I had already been engaging in accessibility without realizing it. Wow. And it's like little pieces coming together. Literally. So by the time I got to a point where my technical side of my career kicked in, in my early 20s, it was sort of just like the final puzzle because getting into tech was like, I can be creative, but I can build something now. I don't have to rely on as many people to um, hope that, they won't like screw me over when I'm trying to build something. I can actually understand the ins and outs. And then now I can understand how um, certain communities are shut out or certain communities um, need more support in terms of bridging that gap as the digital Mm -hmm. world continues to grow at the pace that that it's going right now. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was was doing software engineering and I I liked it because of the whole problem-solving aspect of it. But I think from that module when I was learning how to code around accessibility that always stuck with me and I don't know how I don't know how to explain it but there was just a gut feeling like I feel like I'm going to circle back to this somehow um Mm. and for me it's like when it comes to how I've lived my life so far especially when it comes to my professional career I've Mm. always known from a very young age I'm talking and it sounds really weird but I'm talking like from when I was like 11 I always Mm -hmm. had that instinct of I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I know that I'm supposed to be doing something in my lane and Mm. it's going to shape itself in the way that would make sense for me. So I always had that gut feeling like, and I used to say it to my parents because they used to be like, you're always doing this and that and you're switching around and doing this. And they never understood really what I was doing in terms of my Mm -hmm. career, even with my Mm. education, despite being very academic, I was always switching and trying different things. And they... On the outside, it looked like I was just all over the place. But for me, it's like Mm -hmm. my instinct was just telling me, like, I don't know how all of this is going to come together, but I just Mm -hmm. knew whatever I'm meant to be doing Mm -hmm. is going to align with my values somehow. And I don't know if that's going to look like a 
a neat cut out nine to five or a business mm-hmm. or something in between. I don't know. I'm still sort of, I feel closer to that point, but there's just that common theme of whatever it is I'm meant to do, it's going to have, have to align to something that I care about. And I think mm-hmm. the accessibility side of things just made it a full circle because it's like, I've had experience working in digital marketing with like mm-hmm. um, charities and um, non-profit organizations. Then I went into the film industry then I went into tech thinking that I just stopped at coding. Turns out it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And now there's a whole actual field that's growing that is literally focused on accessibility. Like how do we think about um, users from all backgrounds and how they're interacting with the online sphere and how mm-hmm. do you bridge that gap? And now it's because of the way technology is growing. It's like now we're having to think about data, which is also mm-hmm. extremely valuable. What does right. data and accessibility look like? I don't know mm-hmm. yet, but something to explore so I feel like in whatever I've always done there was always that instinct whatever I'm meant to do I know that it's going to be a lane that I've carved out for myself mm-hmm. and it's going to be something that at first looks weird on the outside and it's like oh my gosh it's all over the place but I know it will come full circle and I feel like I'm getting closer to that point like I'm turning mm-hmm. 25 next month and it's like I, I think I'm close I, <laughs> I don't know I don't have there. a timeline but I know I'm, I can feel like I'm close I feel like you mm-hmm. have to have that instinct. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and how I, it is in my end. <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate you kind of outlining your timeline because I am a firm believer that of that as well, that whatever I want or whatever it is that aligns with my values is going to come to me. I just have to just mm-hmm. work and just continue to do the things that I think are interesting or that's something that resonates with me. So, um I know that I have a feeling of what that looks like. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know when you are following your gut and you are having the faith and confidence that things are gonna come out and turn out the way that you want them to turn out, what does that feeling feel like? Because um, some questions that my uh, listeners ask is, you know, how do I know? How do I know that this is the right thing or that I'm not following someone else's uh, viewpoint or perspective of me what is that feeling and I'm wondering if you could describe that for yourself hmm. <clears throat> there's quite a few things so like for me I I didn't realize I was doing this as a teenager um, mm-hmm. but I realized like from a very young age I'm very good at taking a chance on myself and I think a lot mm-hmm. of people um, should try to step back and think what would it look like if I took a chance on myself and then figure that out um, because I feel like sometimes um, when we think about confidence like there's the whole fake it till you make it you know mm-hmm. just hustle 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 and it's like I see where people are coming from from that aspect but I, I feel like it starts much earlier than that it starts much deeper than that and mm-hmm. for me it's like courage is a big aspect of confidence of being able to trust your instincts and knowing when you're doing something in a certain way that feels right um mm-hmm. so that's the first thing like what would taking a chance on yourself look like um what would giving up for you look like that's another part of it mm-hmm. because even while being courageous and while going for your dreams you still do need to think about like okay what will happen if it doesn't work out realistically mm-hmm. um, and I feel like when you're honest with yourself about those two things um there's less of the whole half-heartedness behind Mm. putting your all into it and so even if you aren't pushing yourself on a hundred for one day and it's maybe like 10 percent 
of what you can give on a Monday versus, you know, a Wednesday, you still have that intention of, I know what taking a chance on myself is going to look like. So Mm -hmm. I'm heading in the right direction. And then there's the whole thing with like, with confidence, um, it becomes a lot easier to be confident when you start building evidence for yourself. So like Mm. the way I did it was like, okay, if I took a chance on myself and I decided not to go to university and I've decided to explore certain interests and I've already mapped out what taking a chance on myself in that area would look like, Mm-hmm. Now I have to start um, looking at the steps I'm taking. So it's like, okay, cool. I went to this networking event. What was the outcome of that? Oh, I connected with so-and-so. Um, I've got to exchange really good ideas and have really good conversations with people. That's mm-hmm. evidence. And when you start taking count of that evidence, that's when it's like, I can look back on this and hold on a second. I am going in a direction that I want to go. It might not look pretty. It might be up and down. You might have blockers along the way, but you do have evidence that you are going for what you want and you are taking a chance in yourself. And Mm. over time, and this took me quite a few years, actually, over time, that started to compound into what I now recognize as a type of confidence. And I feel Mm. like sometimes people interpret confidence as just being the loudest person, the bubbliest person in the room, you know, Mm -hmm. constantly like feeling myself, self-love, all out and loud. And it's like, there's a type of confidence where you can still be reserved, but from a place where you're just observing your environment around you, being able Mm -hmm. to assess, being able to think, okay, does this feel right? And if not, why? Does this feel good? If so, why? So I feel Mm -hmm. like there's that sort of, I don't know what to call it. I don't know if maybe shadow work or something. Um, but I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was doing that as a kid just because as a kid, I, because I was thrown into just growing up really quickly, just mm-hmm. with the nature of how I grew up and like being the eldest daughter, having that parental responsibility, um, mm-hmm. looking after my siblings and stuff. I, I didn't have a chance to really doubt myself too much because it was very much like go, go, go. But then mm-hmm. I did hit a roadblock of I just feel like I've been, you know, pushing myself according to people's expectations what will it now look like when I take a chance on myself and how do I build that self-confidence when I've grown up Mm -hmm. in an environment where people around me kept talking me out of things and I had to operate from survival mode, pushing against that versus now it's like I'm carving a lane for myself. What does that Mm -hmm. look like? And I feel like that's one thing I would, I would love for more people to really um, sit down and and think about. I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. And just really process like, what would it really look like if I took a chance on myself? Um, and, and it can sound, the dreams can sound as wild as you want it to be. It can sound as quote-unquote far-fetched as you want it to be. But the fact that you're even acknowledging that you're thinking about what it is to take a shot for yourself, take a chance on yourself, it's like, for some people, that might actually be the first time they're centering themselves as a person. And I feel like, doing that in incremental steps over time it starts to build up as evidence and then when it builds up as evidence you start to think actually I have a reason to be confident I have a reason to think that this is possible I have a reason to think that I could be heading in the right direction the same way if you're feeling like something is off you naturally want to start looking for evidence as to why something feels off because it's bothering you right Mm -hmm. why not flip the same thing for when something good is happening or when you, ha- when you are hopeful for something good happening to you. 
So mm-hmm. that's sort of how I approach it. And I, I didn't realize I was doing it as a kid until maybe when I was about 20, 21, that I started mm-hmm. to know actually I should document this as a process, um, which mm-hmm. is leading to me who I am now. <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. And I like, it's funny. Um, I can kind of sort of see how your background is in tech because that is a very systematic approach to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to understanding like what confidence is to you. Um, when you are making this, you know, what does it look like to be courageous and to take a chance on yourself? And then you have the opposite of that of, you know, what what is it, what would happen if I do fail at this plan? how do you be realistic and not talk yourself out of maybe a dream or something that you feel very good about, but the likelihood of achieving it is, you know, fairly small. Mm, There's a few, there's a few things to this. So there is always that risk of talking yourself out of opportunities and and, um, dreams and goals. Um, The one thing when I do acknowledge what it is, that could go wrong and I jot it down. I actually say it out loud because I feel like sometimes we don't realize how many thoughts and how many opinions of ourselves we're internalizing and we don't realize how harsh our inner voice can be until you actually say what you're thinking out loud. So that's like the tiniest step, like just literally say it out loud in terms of what you see as a fail and what you're worried about failing. Um, The second aspect of it, and this is where, you know, friendships and community can really come in um, if you have people that you trust, that you could um, conversate with as a sort of like sounding board for your goals and dreams, and you can bounce off of each other's um, goals and um, things that you're worried about, anxious about in terms of failure, in terms of, you know, blockers, then there's that accountability. And there's someone else who's getting some type of access to what you're thinking about with yourself because I used to have that habit of because I am very systematic in how I do things sometimes mm-hmm. I would sort of you know systematically talk myself out of things because I'm like oh what's the probability of this and that um when sometimes taking a chance on yourself doesn't have to be as logical as you might assume um sometimes this there's, there's things that happen in life where it's like you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. The certain person might have overheard what you're asking for and decided to vouch for you in another room. Someone might be inspired by something you're doing for yourself and, you know, they've opened up doors for you that you didn't even know existed. So there is that acknowledgement that you have to have of, like, sometimes it's not going to logically always make sense, whether it's good or bad. Um, So I feel like having a good support system helps Um, And there are times where you might not even know what you think would go wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. You're just so used to your default being shame and fear that when you're sort of confronting that and you're sort of having to think about how you're going to let go of that shame, Mm -hmm. you don't even know what that looks like. So I think being honest and, and really confronting yourself with that is the first step and actually saying out loud, like, what is it? that you think is going to go wrong because I, I bet you half the time it's it's opinions and theories that haven't got much evidence in your life yet that you're worried about before mm. you even give yourself a chance to think about what is probably going to go right um, so, so that's sort of how I do it it's still a work in progress for me for the most part but I feel like 
the more you the more you spend time getting comfortable with confronting your fears and your shame and uh, and things that you're worried about going wrong the easier mm-hmm. it becomes at this part of the episode, we had a little technical difficulties. So we're going to pick up where we left off. And on that note, please don't forget to subscribe. Um, subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel under the name Charlie's Toolbox. Okay, to acknowledge that those fears or that potential shame that you're holding on to, it might be based on something that you've genuinely experienced. It might be, um, you know, rooted from trauma, like, there are there are truth sometimes to what you're perceiving as a potential failure, what you're anxious about. So that's also okay to acknowledge. I feel like emotions like shame, worry, anxiety tends to be things that, oh no, you shouldn't have to experience that. Let's fix it, fix it, fix it. But sometimes that is a way to inform you of how to navigate things. It, sometimes it can act as a form of protection. It's more about how you sort of put it into perspective and how you decide to deal with that feeling once you've actually acknowledged it. But until Mm -hmm. you acknowledge and confront it, you won't really know what to do from there or you won't really know what it is that you're actually worried about. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how I've been processing it so far. (laughs) No, that's a very, it's a lot of wisdom that's coming out of you. And what I like about that is that it doesn't allow you to sit frozen in that space. It tells you, it teaches you how to move forward. Uh, so I think that would be a very, this conversation and this particular piece is a very useful segment because a lot of people sit in that space and then they don't necessarily move. They're just frozen basically. Um, yeah. And I do want to know, so community has been such a thread in these conversations that I've been having with different women. And when you are reaching out to people to just kind of get advice or to help you think systematically about, you know, your choices, what are you looking for? What kind of traits are you looking for? Who are you coming to? What is the community like, what is that specific community that you're reaching out to get that type of advice from? Hmm, this is an interesting one. I think for a very long time, and probably still now, um, community is something that's very up and down for me um, for a number of reasons. Um, how do I explain this? So, like, you know how earlier when I was talking about um, how I've never really, like, always settled into like a friendship group or a social Mm -hmm. circle I was always Mm -hmm. very much a butterfly in her own little world kind of thing Um, I think over time basically I've always been weaving in through different types of people if I look at all the people that I consider friends they're from all over the place including the actual globe (laughs) they're literally scattered across the globe so (laughs) it's like I think growing up it was very hard to have that community in the in the way that people understand it um and then it's also just like my general upbringing that was quite isolating in the sense that because I I grew up with such big responsibilities at such a young age that did give me a lot of opportunity to form those like tight-knit group type friendships that you would normally expect teenagers to um, form so I didn't get to experience much of that Um, another aspect as well is like my childhood best friend passed away while we were 15 so oh, when we were 15 so it's like 
that was something that I didn't even realize I was grieving until like three years later and I didn't realize how much that actually affected how I approach friendships so for a long time and it's something that I'm sort of trying to um, unpack a bit more now where I have community in the sense that I know who to reach out to if I need um, advice around accessibility I know who I need to reach out to when um, I need um, advice around something creative I know who I can bounce off ideas when it comes to a potential business idea that I want to explore later on down the line I know who I want to um, reach out to to hang out for brunch or go to the cinema with so I have people for different things and different categories um, but one thing they all have uh, as a common thread is honesty and being trustworthy I feel like those two things are very important to me because I feel like it's such those two traits are a foundation for other good traits if you're mm -hmm. honest you're likely to be kind if mm -hmm. um, you're likely to be um, true to your word so I can trust you you're likely to be generous whether it's with your time your affection um, your energy your advice whatever it is so I feel like those two main traits are a big thing for me um it's something that I, I grew up really seeing the value of because it wasn't always present in my life so it became something to hold on to when I was finally in a space to think about what I wanted so yeah. like with my community that's always at the bedrock um you can be from wherever on this planet um mm -hmm. you can have your own lifestyle whatever it is but I feel like those two traits the honesty and the trustworthiness those two traits are very important and anytime I've compromised on that it's mm -hmm. never worked well for me um yeah. I've always paid the price for it in some capacity so I yeah. feel like when it comes to reaching out it's like that's the common thread but what I do find difficult and I think when I also found out I was neurodivergent and I was diagnosed with ADHD um mm -hmm. in my early 20s as well it's like so many things started to make sense in terms of how I connect with people how uh, I sort of navigate social situations and events. And so it's like, I'm used to a community where it's not very, it's not physically a group thing, but it's more of just like, we all share similar values. We're all connecting with each other. And then there's the online community that I've built since I was like 16. And a lot of it has just been very much, I'm being authentic about my journey. Anytime my journey changes, they're sort of, my online community sort of follow me along um, with that anything I'm sort of celebrating or anything that I'm reevaluating, they're sort of there but it feels more of like it still feels like a community because there's that support but it doesn't feel like the same type of community that most people might experience you know from a family unit or like from mm. friends that they've known for over a decade because they grew up together and on the same you know in the same neighborhood or something so I feel like community right now is very complicated for me but mm -hmm. not necessarily in a bad way but just in a way that I'm having to learn to adapt based on the kind of person I am mm -hmm. I also think community is used as a buzzword half the time um, yeah, it is. <laughs> lately and it just feels like oh you know if I say we're building community that's it that's what community is and I feel like community a lot of what people think community is is just either group think or you mm. know my way or the highway there's no right there's no roots into what you're building 
on that. So I think that's why, like, with my online community, as much as I value it and as much as, you know, I love the community I've been building over the years online, mm-hmm. um, there is that element missing where it's like, now I have to think about, okay, as I'm getting older, and as I'm growing into myself more, mm-hmm. what are the roots of that digital community that I've built in the same way as the roots that I've built with my friends, mm-hmm. um, with, the, with my loved ones in my life, with my chosen support system? Mm-hmm. Is there something that I could shift or adapt with that? Um, so I feel like that's, that's sort of my take on <laughs> how I perceive community for myself and how it's so how I navigate it basically yeah and so when you are you know you're having these conversations and you're getting this advice and you know you thought uh thoroughly about you know uh what the common sense or like the the common definition or idea currently what people are expressing as community is kind of like group think Mm -hmm. I am curious to know when you're getting this advice, how do you filter out whether it whether or not it's like projection or true evidence or good feedback or delusion or you know something else other than what you think the truth is? Um, so it depends on who I'm asking and also depends on the kind of conversation. But mm-hmm. I think even outside of that, it's it's normally a pattern that I have to see before I can Mm -hmm. understand whether it's someone projecting onto me or whether it's just their perspective or whether it's the truth. Um, And this, for me, this is where my instincts normally kick in because I've had conversations with people that I wouldn't say are in my community, but like, you know, we might share something in common or I might have just met them at an event. And it's like off the bat, they've probably just said one sentence to me and immediately I just know in my heart, this is not the kind of person I'm probably going to speak to uh, about this stuff. Or I sort mm. of have this filter where I can be open and transparent, but in a way where you still won't know much more about me beyond what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really know how to explain what that is, but no, I it's it. sort of from, yeah, but it's, yeah. that's normally my default um, until I kind of gauge um, what kind of person you are and where you sort of fit into in my little ecosystem my little universe Mm -hmm. as I like to call it Mm -hmm. Uh, so it normally depends on that initial instinct but also can I pause real quick what is what is that instinct like how does that feel it feels very I know people think like a gut feeling or instinct feels like very alarming or like Mm -hmm. alarm bells going on but for me it's a very calm subtle feeling like Mm -hmm. it's very like when I'm in a room with people where I know it's a good vibe I feel very neutral when mm. I'm in a room where something's off there is a subtle change but it's not like butterflies in my stomach or you know mm. mm-hmm. that panic feeling I don't feel that panic it's just more of like someone's pressed the doorbell and I managed to catch the last ring and mm. that's all I needed to know so it's nothing intense for me personally mm. it's just mm-hmm. a gut feeling there have been exceptions where my whole body has actually reacted, where I've shivered or shuddered, but it's never like a constant panic. I, so I know mm-hmm. it's not me being anxious because if I am feeling that anxious anxiousness, normally I'm nervous about something or normally 
Um, it sounds silly, but my meds haven't kicked in yet or something. <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> so Just I can tell, it. yeah, from experience so far, I can tell, like, when it comes to my instincts, people are used to thinking, like, maybe for some people's experience, that's how it is. But for me personally, it's never anything, like, bam, in your face or mm-hmm. very, like, sudden or very panicky. Um, mm-hmm. It's very like calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like that you're saying this because um, what I noticed that particularly in my community, they're kind of like, well, what what should it feel like? And mm. they're actively trying to reach what that is. And it may not be this big, huge thing, you know, yeah. trying to figure out who is for you, who is not for you may not be this huge sounding alarm. It may feel like for instance, what you just said, peace or calmness, or it may feel like, hmm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Don't know why, but I'm just going to trust that feeling because I know it has not led me astray. So yeah. I like that you are, um, that you articulated it like that because um, the women that I've talked to, their gut feeling has been skewed by pain by trauma, by exploitation. And a lot of them are trying to get back to knowing who they are and knowing what that gut feeling is. And by you articulating this perspective, I think that is a hopeful one where they can realize that I already have it. Um, I just need to get in tune with it a little bit more or I just need to believe it. Yeah, and I think also um, your instinct however you choose to define it, it's a discipline at the end of the day. And I think sometimes we also Mm. misunderstand a gut instinct or a a gut feeling to be like, oh, this has to be right. Sometimes something gets flagged up that you pick up on emotionally, spiritually, however you want to process it, Mm -hmm. where maybe part of it is true, but then there might be some context that you might miss out on um, that maybe your instinct doesn't pick up on. And that doesn't Mm. necessarily mean that you've got you know rubbish instincts it just means in that situation that's what you were able to assess and because like you mentioned there's people navigating uh, a lot of trauma a lot of um, pain um, experiences where they haven't had the chance to have to be assertive because they haven't grown up in that environment you know I can I can relate to that and I understand it and and it's why I see having in an instinct for being able to you know recognize when something's good or not so good Um, to be a discipline it's something that you refine over time and I've noticed like the more I started trusting myself and centering myself a bit more and the more I started to sit with what made me uncomfortable and confront it the the more refined my instincts became Um, Mm -hmm. it's like with a sport you know you pick Mm -hmm. up a sport you're gonna be good in the first try but after a while it becomes almost second nature to you Um, Mm -hmm. I sort of treat that instinct in a similar way so you know, it doesn't always have to be this objective thing where, you know, okay, I felt this type of way about something or someone, that's it, lights out. Um, yeah. It takes time to refine and you're not always going to be right about everything your instinct picks up on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just also wanted always... to make that clear as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one because you can always explore, you know, you may feel mm-hmm. something, but then you can always explore and see like, okay, is that was it the context was it the place that we were at that I felt that way um there's always questions that you can ask to just get clarification 
on what you're feeling and what you're thinking about what's going on. So um, on that note, I, we are at time. This was a lovely, lovely conversation. Um, I think that my, my community, our community, we are going to get a lot out of your wisdom. Um, and I hate it's to be- interesting when you say that, because I'm just like, <laughs> no. man, like, I don't realize like sometimes I'm literally in my 20s and I'm figuring things out. Yeah. So I always attribute wisdom to like you've lived like for decades and you've experienced all this life yeah and I feel like my life is just about starting now to be honest yeah. it's that <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean yeah. I understand that yeah I, I and I was actually going to say like I am older than you but that doesn't mean that your knowledge is not valid and your experience <laughs> is not valid and I think that you are a very wise person and the systems that you created, the questions that you're asking, I know for a fact it is guiding you in a really, really beautiful and courageous and encouraging way. And I'm hoping that people can take what you've given to us and apply it to their life. So I wanna thank you so much for speaking with me. Um, I, I so appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I know everyone out here is exhausted, but I just want to thank you so much. No, I, re- I really appreciate that. And thank you so much. Um, I think I remember the first time I came across your page and I was like, I was trying to figure out um, you as a person. Um, mm-hmm. And then the more I kept seeing you on my timeline, the more I sort of like had a puzzle and I'm just like piecing it all together. And I realized like <laughs> at, at face value, like, you know what what you stand for in terms of like you know decentering things that don't benefit you and centering what works for you I feel like mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I resonated with you a lot and I feel like you've been very consistent and, and honest even when it didn't come up even when um, the people receiving that message weren't always in agreement or mm-hmm. it sort mm-hmm. of like jolted their reality I, mm-hmm. I think one thing I really like about you is that you don't let that phase you um, mm-hmm. And in a world where there's so many things pulling you, pushing you, trying to get you in this direction or that direction, it's it's important now to hold on to that integrity and, and that honesty that you have with yourself. And you don't really get to that point until you've really confronted your thoughts, how you perceive mm-hmm. yourself, how you want to um, live your life. And it's like, it takes one to know one. <laughs> so I think <laughs> that's one thing I really like, liked about you and I connected with you pretty much immediately once I found you on my timeline um so no thank you so much for having me it's been really great it has been thank you all right Amina so after we had this lovely conversation I would love for you to plug in some of the things that you're working on so that our community can search it out and be a part of your community as well yeah definitely um I'm on a bit of a break right now so I'll probably be back into the swing of things from March 2023 onwards Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a YouTube channel called Develop with Amina Um, it's going to be a mixture of I mean I have videos on there already and it's going to be a mixture of uh, tech career advice life advice potentially um, just within that realm Um, Mm -hmm. all my videos are captioned and also there is a British sign language um, interpreter in my videos so I'm thinking potentially because I've had requests about um, including um, American Sign Language. So I'm exploring that option too. 
So mm-hmm. that's my YouTube channel. And then on my socials, it's Yeah She Writes, um, both on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also currently building my startup called Recipe Rated. So mm-hmm. um, it's focusing on, you know, making online recipes more accessible and revolutionizing food accessibility generally using community driven recipe creation for prioritizing users specifically with disabilities food intolerances and different dietary um, preferences so that's Mm -hmm. in the works that's going to be happening over time I'm probably going to be reaching out to people for um, some of the user research so stay tuned for that so that's recipe rated and I'm also on Substack again it's yeah she writes and I'll be writing on there very soon so yeah let's see what this year brings everything yeah (laughs) congrats on your uh, startup um if you guys want to be a part of her user research please reach out to her and let her know thank you so Uh, much thank you for show notes be sure to check out charliestoolbox.com Follow Charlie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Charlie's Toolbox. Thanks again for listening to Charlie's Toolbox.